we're on a, we're on a roll talking about um, sin in the camp. Um, complaining, griping, murmuring, out-and-out rebellion that took place among the, uh, the Israelites that had, that had left Egypt under the leadership of God's chosen vessel, Moses. And we've, we've seen the rebellion and the struggle now for several weeks, and we, we've seen um, how that works out. Next week, next, this coming up week, starting tomorrow, your devotions are going to be how Moses disobeys God. And um, the, the, the sad, sad, sad thing about that is they've finished the journey, and it's time to march on to the new promised land. And Moses and Aaron um, don't get to go in. And along with a whole generation of people that left Egypt, and because of their rebellion, uh, they, they didn't get to enter in. And what a lot of people make the mistake of is thinking, oh, well, promised land, and we, we do this, this is wrong. The promised land does not represent heaven, okay? I know we sing songs that make it sound like we're, we're, we're bound for that land, but, but that's not really what we're talking about here. The promised land was a place that they would live in the blessings and benefit of God on the earth. So it's not heaven. So Moses did not miss going to heaven. That whole generation that died off in the wilderness uh, before the people moved into the promised land did not miss heaven. In fact, we know, we know from that event called the transfiguration that Moses did experience the promised land uh, because he was there with, uh, with Jesus and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, so that's uh, one of those reminders that's wonderful. Now, I want us to talk tonight about, about another point of rebellion, but the point of rebellion is really not the focus tonight. The, the focus tonight is how God, just like he did this morning, he affirmed and confirmed Moses' leadership and tonight, we'll see more specifically how he affirmed and confirmed the leadership of, uh, of, of, of Aaron. And uh, so, uh, turn with me, please, in your Bibles. And I believe it'll be up on the screen also. Can, can, can somebody give me some water? I, 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 I sang too much. And um, <clears throat> that sort of, sort of sent my voice uh, in, a, in a rough spot for the moment. Uh, so, turn with me, please, to Numbers 17. Numbers 17. Let me tell you what's happening. If you back up in 16, that's where we see uh, Korah and his rebellion and Korah's men and his family. They're swallowed up by an earthquake. Then 250 people uh, were, were, were zapped by the fire of God because they had really, I think it's similar to Nadab and Abihu, they had, they had presented strange fire to the Lord. And uh, the people are angry. You know, why did you destroy? The question was asked to Moses and Aaron. Why did you destroy all these people? We're angry with you about this. This was just wrong. And it's kind of like what people do today. Would God really send people to hell? Uh, the answer is God has never sent anybody to hell. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, the, the, the real issue is that... Uh, we make our choices, and when we make our choices, there are 
thank you, consequences that go with it. And uh, the consequence of rejecting God's plan of salvation is to be eternally separated from God. That's why it is so important for us to find ways to talk to people about Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something that, 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 that I learned this past Tuesday evening when we had um, our Rob Peters, our leader of the Refocus thing, he, he came here to meet with us because we're, we're the slow group. And uh, although, although he had already met, <laughs> he had already met with, and the slowest just walked in back here. Uh, and the, uh, he had already met with every other group in a separate setting. And so we were just, we were, we were desperate. He had, he had hurt our feelings. He had hurt my feelings really bad. So uh, I texted him before we left that meeting, said, can you come meet with us? Uh, uh, Tuesday evening, he said, I can't come Tuesday. I can come Wednesday. He said, I can't come Tuesday. So we met with him on Tuesday. And he made a very significant statement that I'm going to commit to you to do this, okay? And eventually, I'll share this with the whole church. As you invite people, to be here for worship with us in a worship setting. I make a commitment to you every sermon that I preach to present clearly as I can the gospel, okay? Everyone, every one of them. I will make sure that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is in every message so that when you, and he said that he knew a pastor that did this, a, he would invite, ask his people if, the, if the, what you can do is invite people to church. You do that. And then when it's all said and done, ask them this question. What did you think of the pastor's message? And you might even pull out a portion of that and say, what did you think about the part where he talks specifically about the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that gives you an opportunity to witness to them by way of your pastor and then to ask them a question. So to think about, it, if we went through this, uh, as I shared with you this morning, if, if, every, if, if every person this morning in the worship service uh, said that they were going to go out and reach one every day this coming up week, math lesson again, some people questioned me on my math, but my math was right. Okay, my math was right. Some people were not putting the decimal in the right place and they missed it. Uh, so <clears throat> this morning then, let's say there were 600 people. Half of the people actually went out and did it and invited some, one person. Somehow sought to bring the, um, invite people, bring a message somehow about the gospel, about Christmas, about Jesus. And, and, and 300 people actually did it. Tell me what 300 times 7 is. 2100. Okay, now... If, if 1%, if 1% of those 2,100 actually showed up next Sunday, how many would that be, Jessica? 21, thank you, not 210. Uh, some folks were try, this morning trying to tell me it's 210. I said, no, you, 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 you put your decimal in the right place. So that would be 21 people. Now, if, you, if every one of us work at this and we invite people and your pastor as clearly as I possibly can, and that's, you should be praying, dear God, I pray that our pastor can clearly present the gospel message every Sunday. And then I believe that we'll begin to see people saved every Sunday. Because ne next Sunday then, there, there should be at least 
21, that's the worst case scenario, 21 people that would be here with us in worship that were invited guests. And then I will do my responsibility to present the gospel. Now, next weekend's a great time to do this because the, this, this presentation, Jesus is Christmas, uh, is going to be presented. And then it'll be the Sunday, uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock, Sunday evening at 6.30. And we should all do this. This coming up Thursday evening, our weekday education program will have its Christmas program at 6.30. And that's 128 boys and girls, many of whom don't go to church anywhere. And guess who they'll be bringing with them? Mama and Daddy and Grandma and Grandpa and Aunt Sue and Uncle Joe and on and on and on we could go. And we are in the gospel to the people business. So I'm asking you, do everything you can to reach one. I'm telling you folks, I'll tell you this, in six months, I believe we'll begin to see fires of revival burning like crazy. Okay? All right? But we can't just say, okay, preacher, I'm going to pray. Yes, pray. But also be obedient to do your part to at least reach one. All right, stand with me, please. We've kind of got lost. You didn't get lost. I did. Uh, to number 17. And, and, and let's look at this of, of how God affirmed God affirmed Aaron in, in uh, his priesthood. Okay? Everybody look at me. God confirmed Aaron in his priesthood. And what I'm going to show you tonight is that God also affirmed Jesus in his priesthood. And then I'm going to show you how God has affirmed you in your priesthood. Your priest, right? Number 17, one. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and get them, get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses, 12 rods as representing uh, each, each of the, uh, the tribes. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I'll meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a, a, a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's houses, 12 rods, and the rod of Aram was among them, the, their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted, so it didn't just sprout, but it also put forth buds, didn't just put forth buds, but also produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Okay, now pause for a moment. Hmm, now, preacher, come on now. Let me remind you of at least one miracle that I know that you believe in. That God created everything from nothing. Therefore, 
it should not be very difficult for God to cause a rod that was dead and lifeless to blossom, to bloom, and then produce ripe almonds. Now, we'll, we, most of us will agree that God did create everything from nothing, but not only did he do that, but he also called Aaron's rod to bud. He also raised his own son from the dead. Miraculously, he became flesh and dwelt among us. So there are a lot of miracles that are incredibly uh, out there for us. Now, let's continue on. Uh, then Moses, this is verse 9, then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you uh, may put their complaints away from me lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die, uh, shall we all utterly die. Die. Let's pray together. Father, bless the reading of your words. Show us, God, that it is your plan to encourage us, confirm us, affirm us as your priest by this incredible power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. See, now, let me, here's what, something that we need to see. There is a ridiculous complaint. Uh, I, I believe all the complaints we've looked at so far are ridiculous. And uh, w when you complain against God, when you complain against God, it's okay to do it. Uh, but be, just be aware, our complaint is always a ridiculous complaint. Because God is God, and God can do whatever God chooses to do, because he is the sovereign God. Uh, and, and we just, we, we see this. Uh, if you back up into chapter 16, uh, in verse 41, we, we read, On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron, that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. So... They were complaining, you, you let uh, Korah and his family perish in the, the earthquake, and then uh, 250 people, men, were killed because of the fire that they brought. Uh, this, is, this is bad, this is wrong. Folks, this is God's business. The next Sunday, we're going to look at that very interesting passage of Scripture that everybody loves, and it's the one that talks about the sin unto death. And most of us go, does God really do that? He doesn't do that anymore, does he? I, I don't know. I mean, I've never gone to a funeral and preached this person's dead because they were disobedient to God. Uh, but, uh, but it's up to him. That's, 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 when I listened, I told you to listen to that, that sermon by, by Adrian Rogers. Uh, anybody listen to it yet? Okay. He, he, will, he will say that he had a, he had a friend that, that he said, this guy, and I think he even named him, he, he, he committed the sin unto death, and he did die. And I'm going, ooh, that's bold. Hmm, that's pretty, that's pretty. Don't worry. I don't plan to do that at your funeral, okay? Uh, I will not say that the reason you die. We all die because of sin, okay? But the sin unto death is something that only a follower of the Lord can commit. It's when God says, okay, listen, I love you too much, and I love my church too much to let you continue to wreak havoc, so I'm just going to bring you home. Best illustration I read was J. Vernon McGee talking about a mama who takes her child to the birthday party, and the child at the birthday party just wreaks havoc. 
I mean, pours, pours ice cream on the kids. The other kids pulls their hair, just treats them terribly. And mama takes her out, tries to deal with her, tries to correct her and correct her. And it just doesn't work. And finally she says, okay, I'm going to have to take you home. Okay. So it's not beyond the Lord to do that. And, and I believe, again, back to Moses. I think we see that taking place. So these people were complaining, who do you think you are to allow these people to die like this? And then Moses, Moses does this. How many times have we seen Moses intercede for the people? Okay. We need to pray for each other that we'll do that. Because typically... When I get just, remember those referees I was talking about this morning? The first thing I should have done, seriously, is pray for those referees. You know, it, it, and we have, we have something that we call righteous indignation when people commit sin. But really, we're not, it's not righteous indignation. We're just ticked off at them being so stupid. And, and, and we just, in, in our opinion, is we, we, we kind of want to call fire down on them because they're living like that. But our approach should be that of Moses. Moses was just this guy that was so humble that he would pray for them. We see this verse 30, 43. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among these, this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. He said, Get away from them. I'm just going to destroy all of them. Forget the 250. I'm going to wipe them all out. And then they fell, that is Moses and Aaron, they fell on their faces. So Moses and Aaron uh, said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar and put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has, has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses, at Moses' command and ran into the midst of the assembly. And, and I remember, Aaron could take the, the, the censer and do that because he was the high priest. And already the plague had begun among the people, so he put the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. Folks, this was judgment time. God is a God of grace and mercy, yes, but God is a God of judgment too, which I, I, I'm thankful for that because I know there's coming a day when I get to heaven, there will not be sin there because God has judged sin, and that's a good thing. This whole thing of, you know, God's not that kind of God. He is that kind of God because he is that kind of God. He is a God of judgment, and a God of judgment removes the foolishness and the ungodliness and the sin. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle meeting, for the plague had stopped. Now, um, I want you to see something here, because I, I believe this is extremely appropriate for what we've been talking about now for weeks. What we see here is resurrection being used to confirm Aaron as the priest. Resurrection. Say, how, 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 what do you talk about resurrection? Well, 12 tribe, tribal leaders brought uh, each one a, a dead rod, okay? A dead almond tree rod. And they brought it and placed it before God in the, in the tabernacle of witness. And, and Aaron had one there also. 
And this was being a time for, for Moses was saying, I want you to see who God confirms and affirms as the high priest. And then what happened is the next day, there were all the rods in the same condition they were when they were brought in, except for Aaron's rod. And Aaron's rod, as I've already gone through this, to drive the point home, it not only blossomed and bloomed, but it produced ripe almonds. And then that was the way that God confirmed this, and then he ordered Moses to take that rod and put it in the Ark of the Covenant so that people will always be reminded that God affirmed and confirmed Aaron as the priest. Now, with that, we see that his priesthood was confirmed by resurrection. Now, the priesthood of Jesus was confirmed by resurrection. Now, listen to this from Hebrews 5. Do you want to see it? Hebrews 5, 1 through 6. It says this, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may uh, offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. Because he's talking about men who were uh, who, who, were, who were priests. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sin. And verse 4 is extremely important of Hebrews 5. It says this, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So Aaron was confirmed and affirmed by God by resurrection. Now, verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 5 says this, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but he was, but it was he who said to himself, you are my son today, I have begotten you. Also, as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, while he was on the face of the earth as a man, could not be affirmed as a high priest. It only took place after his death, when he became not just the priest who offered the sacrifice, but he himself was the sacrifice. And then when he was resurrected, then he was confirmed as our great high priest. Same as it was with Aaron, except for Jesus was not born in the priestly line with Aaron but yet he was raised up to life and was affirmed by God to be a priest forever as it was with that unusual character that we've already looked at earlier this year, uh, Melchizedek. Now, all that is important for this reason. God confirmed Aaron by resurrection through the rod. God affirmed Jesus by his own resurrection. And now, if we look and we see then in uh, 1 John that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own choosing. Now, how does that come about? It comes about by the new birth. How does the new birth come about? It comes about with us being united with Christ in his death so that we can certainly through baptism also be united with him in his resurrection. 
Listen to what Paul says in a very familiar passage, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul was making a very clear statement. I'm a dead man. But I live because of the resurrection. So we can claim and understand that God confirmed and affirmed Aaron by resurrection. He confirmed and affirmed Jesus by resurrection. And as a person who has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection, he has confirmed and affirmed each one of us as a res as, as by the resurrection. We are priests we are priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own choosing, by which God encourages us. Now, <clears throat> with that, <clears throat> Matthew 28, 18. You know what 19 says, right? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Anybody know what 18 says? It's part of it. What's it say? All authority has been given unto me, both in heaven and earth. Then, he says, go make disciples of all nations. All right? Acts 1.8 says what? After this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power. Power, dunamis, authority, those things are where we're being confirmed and affirmed with power from on high through God's blessing of the resurrection because we have died to ourselves and alive to Christ and it is Christ living in us and we now have the power. And if we're ever out there, well, I really have no business. We do have business. It is our business. It is our business to be witness to him. It is our business to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It is not just that who do we think we are. I know who we are, and I know who I am. I am a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And we have been signed, sealed, delivered, and marked by his Holy Spirit who lives in us for the tasks that he's given. I could go on and on and on of, of how he encourages his children to be obedient, for such as through his word, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Lord's Supper, baptism, the death of Christ, his promised return. This morning I mentioned at the first of both services that today, second Sunday of Advent, this is the, the Bethlehem time because it looks back to when Christ came at Bethlehem, but it also anticipates that he's coming again. And, and, and we as God's children believe that just as he, how many of you believe he came the first time? Okay, so you say, what, what, yeah, preacher, I know he came the first time. 
you know, Anna and Simeon, what were they doing? They were hanging out at the temple, waiting for him to be brought by his mom and daddy for that dedication, confirmation, that, that time of, of, of acknowledging that God had given them and they were giving him back. Man, they were fired up and excited about his coming. If they were, how much more should we be in anticipating of his coming again to rule and to reign and to judge the world, to rule and reign in righteousness and holiness? We have been confirmed and affirmed for this task. I hope you are encouraged because God has, he's marked you. He's marked me. He's marked us. I am his child. And don't even discuss with me. Well, we don't always act. That has nothing to do with it. I'm married, been married for 45 years. I don't always act like a good husband. That doesn't take away from the fact that I'm married. It, it, God has accomplished something in us that we could never do on our own. Aaron could never have made that rod bud. Jesus could not raise himself. It was required of the Father to do that, to confirm him and affirm him as who God said he was. And folks, I believe he's done the same thing for us. We are the first, he was the firstborn from among many. The first fruits, we talked about that a few weeks ago when we were talking about the feast of the first fruits. That Jesus was the first. If Jesus... If Jesus was the first fruits, the implication is there's more to come. You and me, that's us. That's us. And we have a great privilege and responsibility to be his priest. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own choosing. Hey, I'm special. By his choosing. I'm special. By his work. By his choosing. By his accomplishment. And so are you. It, it, it's nothing about us. Paul mailed it. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who lives. But Christ who lives in me. Now, since that is true. We have something to do. So, same invitation from this morning. Reach one. This bold. Reach one. Not reach one all week. Reach one every day. Seek to reach out to somebody with the possibility that God will open the door for you. We talked about this in our meeting today. I don't think we have to make anything happen. I, I, I think if we'll just get up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to be looking to see where you are at work so that I can join you. In other words, all we really need to do is pay attention. Pay attention. Be intentional. Realize that everywhere you go this week, God is setting you See that in Scripture, don't we? Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Peter and Cornelius. You know, back again with Andrew and his brother. 
And you know, I don't know we could go. We just need to be ready to join him in what he's doing. I believe we're on the brink of revival. I don't want to miss out. Let's not miss out. Okay, let's have a time of prayer. And um, we'll just pray in silence for a little bit. And you can pray by yourself, pray in a group, pray with someone. And just ask the Lord to, if, do you believe God answers prayer? Ask him, to, uh, ask him to give you boldness and courage. Because I believe he will, he will answer that prayer. I, we were at our vision advisory team meeting today, and I was sitting at the table with David Bowen and David Griggs and Lauren Tripp. All right, Lauren Tripp. Here, here's, here's these three old men <laughs> and this young teenage girl. And we start eating, and, and I do my normal little quiet thing, eat. Lauren says, Mr. David, Griggs, what do you and your family plan to do for Christmas? Do y'all go somewhere for Christmas? Or I'm going, wow, hmm. this girl's 17 years old. Those old men, we're not doing this. So he shared what they would do and what their plans are. And then he looked at David Bowen. Mr. David, what, what about y'all? What are your plans for Christmas? What do y'all plan to do? He answers the question. And she looks at me, Pastor Dennis, what does your family do at Christmas time? What do y'all plan to do? I go, my goodness sakes alive. We're just sitting here learning from this 17-year-old how to engage people in a conversation that may open the door to talk to them about more, something more significant. Hey, we got, we got lots to learn. But I believe it's worth it based on the message that God has given us to take to the world. So uh, when you're praying, realize I'm right there with you. Because I'm, I'm, I'm that <clears throat> shy, go, uh, my wife can vouch for you that I'm doing better. Yeah, it's not always easy. But I'm believing the power of God to show himself great in a mighty way. So take a few minutes to pray. And then after about, oh, about three or four minutes, uh, the instruments will play. And then we'll uh, have an invitation time. And seeing altars a place to kneel and pray. Pray about the... Uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions, $120,000. Pray for revival, spiritual awakening, and for God to just stir and move among us. All right?